Good morning, Kavanaugh. Will you stand to your feet? Welcome to church. We have a new song for you today, and it's based off of Psalm 89, verse 1. And it says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. So whether we're in a high spot in our life or a low spot in our life, we can choose to sing wherever we go. That's great, man. Thanks for that new song. That's my favorite new song right there. <laughs> and you know what? God has been so good to us as a church. Amen? Amen? And he's been good to you individually. So welcome to the Lord's house today. Those watching online, we welcome you as well. Today is graduation Sunday. Woohoo! Man. I wish I was graduating from something, but... Uh, <laughs> We, we have 16 who are graduating, and we're so proud of our high school and college graduates. I'm going to ask Devin and Nathan if they would come to the stage, and we are about to... Uh, where did, how'd y'all get there, man? 
What's that? I tell you what. You know what? You know what the problem is? I'm getting old, aren't I? Yeah. I just don't see peripherally. So, uh, hey, we're about to honor these graduates. Let's pray right now and ask God uh, just to do something special in our lives and in their lives as they are honored right now. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. I thank you for these young men and young women. I'm so thankful, dear Lord, that they love you and trust you and that they base their life on you. Thankful, dear Lord, that Kavanaugh has had uh, uh, just a time in their life to help them in their spiritual journey. And I pray that you'd bless them not just today, but in the days to come as they live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's you. It's all right. Sweet. Well, before we get started, Devin and I just want to say we are so proud of you guys as graduates. I mean, this is a huge accomplishment, and we need to give them a round of applause. Amen. Uh, I mean, they, the people who take up the first three pews are probably the smartest in the room, and uh, again, they, again, they're brilliant. We are so proud of them, but most importantly, we are so thankful for the relationship that they have with God and uh, what they have built up in this church. So again, we, this is all for you today, and uh, we are here to celebrate you. Let's get started. believe we've come this far and it feels just like getting started somehow we're still running like those kids back then kids back then scrape some knees and falling down but somehow we keep getting back up long as there is one they're gonna keep running yeah we'll keep running in the small man it's electric, can you see it, can you feel it, this dream inside is still alive today, yeah we're on our way. Oh 
Cause sometimes those voices try to tell me I'm forgotten a great group amen proud of each one of them why don't you stand up and give them a big round of applause as we appreciate their life and what they've done for the lord so far wonderful and while you're still standing let's sing a little bit all right
Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. There is evidence of God's goodness all around us. Just look around in this room. There's evidence of God's goodness right here in this place. Let's give him the praise and the glory that he deserves this morning. Sing to him of his goodness.
big hand. He's a great God and man. He loves us so much. Glad, glad that you're here today because you're going to get to hear our youth pastor, Brother Nathan, speak into the lives of our graduates and into your lives as well. I told the first service, uh, before Angie and I got married, we went to this Bill Gothard seminar in Oklahoma City when we were at Hillsdale. And, and uh, based on that seminar, seminar we came up with, with three theories or three principles of how we were going to raise our kids when we got married. Well, Gary, then I had three kids. And uh, all the theories went out the window, you know? They're, ju they're just gone. Uh, raising, raising kids is pretty tough. I mean, it, it, it's a tough job. Let me tell you the great job, becoming a grandparent. That's where it is right there. Uh, Nathan has three little boys at home. And I don't know if you, you saw it on Facebook. I think it was just yesterday. There's a picture of Nathan in the chair, and he's got all three of them climbing on him, man. Life is good, is it not? And uh, I know you're, you're an awesome dad. Shawnee is a better mom than you are dad, I can tell you that. Uh, she's got four babies she has to take care of. But uh, I am so thankful, genuinely thankful in my heart that Nathan 
is on staff at Kavanaugh Church, and he is leading our teenagers. I, I am thankful for that. He does a fantastic job, and he has a great message from God's Word for you today. Whether you are a graduate or a parent or a grandparent, God is going to speak to you this morning. So give Nathan a big round of applause. Welcome him as he comes and preaches. Awesome. Yeah, he's absolutely right. Man, like the world has changed and has been set on fire in the Barlow household, all right? We are still trying to even get over Abram. I guess that's the right word, to get over him. Because, um, man, he's a pistol. Like, he's mean. He takes after his mom's side of the family. Anyways, yeah, but, man, Elias is doing so good, and Shawnee is doing amazing. They're at home resting right now, still healing and all that. And I brought Jed to church today, and he was sitting in my office today. He's just quizzing me over my sermon. Dad, what are you talking about? What are you doing? Dad, does that make sense? Like, be quiet. Play your Nintendo, all right? <laughs> I'll get to you later, right? But anyways, it's good, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to, to be here this morning and, and be able to speak to uh, you and our graduates and, um, and be able to hopefully uh, enlighten uh, you from God's word today. I'm thankful to even be a minister of the gospel. Um, I, I mean, it's one thing to be at Kavanaugh Church, and it's awesome to be at Kavanaugh Church, but to even just be a part of the ministry is just incredible. If you knew my life a long time ago, you'd be just as in awe as I am. Like how God be able to use someone like me to be able to, to preach. And I give him all the glory and honor for it. I really do. Um, and again, it's, it's an awesome privilege to be able to stand here today and just to even speak the text that are, that's in front of us. So, so I did a total youth pastor thing. And I did what I did in high school as well. I ignored every bit of advice that I've heard at every graduation commencement speech so far. And uh, I just Googled uh, some excellent advice to give to the graduates today, all right? Now, this isn't just any advice. This is stuff that they don't tell you at your graduation. Now, some of it's for high school. Some of it's geared for college. So just bear with me. But it could apply to everyone in the room. So let's, let's just make it through this. Ten things they don't tell you at graduation. Are you ready? One, next year, you will probably be unemployed. Or living in your parents' basement. Think about it. Or unemployed and living in your parents' basement, right? So true. I mean, now some of you are like, yeah, I, I got a job, Brother Nathan. You don't, don't put me down like that. I'm like, yeah, I had a job too. But by the time my paycheck came around to actually living up to the responsibilities that it had or it needed to have of paying my portion of the bills, like my insurance, my car, my car bill, and my cell phone, it never, ever happened. And so as far as my parents were concerned, I was unemployed. So just, yeah, number one. Number two, you will keep in touch with your peers, but not the ones you think of, all right? Seriously, the ones that you hung out with, the ones that, you know, were just awesome and cool, they will move away. All right, and if you're a homebody, you're going to be stuck with the, all the annoying middle school or kids that you ignored all those years. Seriously, seriously, you will find yourself sitting in McDonald's with them and their families, their kids influencing or trying to influence their kids with the same annoying garbage that they try to annoy you with. So just be ready for that, all right? Number three, when you hit a certain point in your 20s, everyone around you starts to get married. 
for no apparent reason <laughs> and without any warning. It's so true. And guess what? You will be single, and that's not a bad thing, at these weddings wondering how on earth did this even happen? Like, you will look at those two individuals and be like, those two people, one, don't belong together, and two, should have been on opposite ends of the world, all right? How this is going to work, I don't know, all right? So just get ready for it, all right? Number four, in life, no one rewards you for, doing, for performing mundane tasks, all right? Example, you will not get three gold stars from your parents for cleaning the toilet, you won't. You won't do it. You will not get rewarded for doing basic things. Some of you, and, as, and a couple of people had mentioned afterwards, like they just barely get dinner for doing those types of things. Uh, but you won't get rewarded for that. Now, I will say, though, when me and Shawnee talk about chores, you know, it's weird how Siri works. She just, like, knows what you're saying. Knows, she knows what you're thinking. Like, her and I will talk about doing household chores, and then I'll just jump on YouTube a little bit later, and then the, the commercials are exactly what we talked about. Like, how does she do it, right? She's always listening. All right? She is. Not Alexa. She's a whole other problem, a whole different day, a whole different sermon. But seriously, I will see these commercials, these cleaning commercials of, of Mr. Clean, all right? Who knows what, who Mr. Clean is, what he looks like? Yeah, if you don't know who, what he looks like, he's basically Brother Will, but a cartoon version, all right? Buff, you know, all right? You'll see Mr. Clean give a thumbs up to the person cleaning the bathroom, like, awesome. You don't get that, all right? You don't get that. You don't get that little cute, adorable sponge you use, like... The, giving you praise and giving you a great job or a thumbs up or whatever, all right? Unless you don't crack the bathroom door when you use those cleaning supplies and you get a little dizzy and then you will see Mr. Clean and you will see that sponge, for real, I promise. So, oh, and pro-life pro hack, just crack the door open or a window or something. All right, number five, graduates, regardless of what you thought when you asked a boy or girl to go out with you, you are suddenly expected to actually start going out on dates. Seriously. Like, think about it. Guys, when you went and asked that girl, like, hey, will you go out with me? Like, honestly, you're a freshman. Where are you going to take her? You can't even drive. You're going to walk her to her next class, all right? That changes the moment you graduate. You're actually going to have to put a little effort into it and take her somewhere, all right? And ladies, if you have to pay for a guy, you should, don't even look in his direction. Okay, number six, number six. Something strange happens to music as you age. Really does. You can't take the volume anymore. I'm deaf. I have the ear drums, the same age as some people in our first service, okay? I need hearing aids. Like, it's a serious problem, all right? I just voice cracked, and my wife is like, yes, he's finally admitting it at home. But seriously, you, 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 you can't listen to music as loud as you want to in the car, and you'll begin to realize that the newer stuff that comes out is, like, horrible, all right? And then you'll realize that some of you, the things you listen to is some of the newer stuff, and you're like, what is wrong with me? And then you'll also realize that the generations prior to you actually had the best music of all time, all right? It's truly, truly, all right? Van Halen. All right, number seven. Being young isn't everything, but it is a good thing. Don't forget how 
happy you should be right now for being young and knowing a few things. Example, one, it is good to know that there is a cutoff somewhere down the line. I don't know what middle age is now. What is middle age? Like 55, 60? Like I, I've got 65-year-old ladies looking like they're 40. I, I can't tell anymore. What is it? So we'll just say 65. You know at 65, and before that, you know, and you fall down the stairs, you are either going to break your leg or you are not going to break your leg. But you know once you hit 65 or older that when you fall down that stairs, you don't know if you're going to break your hip or leg or not. So it's good to know those types of things, all right? Good to know that you're young. Number nine, you have no stinking clue how personal finance works. <laughs> I'm not going to add any more comments. Your parents know exactly what I'm talking about. Number 10, no one in class ever read the textbook. No one ever read the textbook. There's not a single person in your school that ever read the textbook all the way through. Big waste of time, big waste of money, and your parents know it as well. So there's the top 10 things they don't tell you at graduation. Not bad, not bad. Um, so, but seriously though, coming, trying to put something together to talk to these graduates. I mean, they're, again, they're brilliant, they're smart, and they're, they're, we love them to death. And I was thinking about some of the things that I was told. Not that some of the things I wish I was told. Some of the things that I was told, but I chose not to listen to. I, I feel like looking back at my life, that my life could have been a little bit better if I would have just listened to my youth pastor or my pastor or my parents or some of the other godly people that God had placed in my life. So what I want to share with you today is some of that same type of simple things. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing super complex, but it's something that I want you to always remember here, and our church wants you to remember. These things we fight for, these things we teach, these things we desperately want you to know because it will honor God in your life. The first thing is this, this morning. Remember the gospel always, and let it be declared in your life. Remember the gospel. I got uh, a passage of scripture up here, up here for you for, uh, from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. It says this, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Amen? Amen. This is what we believe. This is our foundation right here. Everything that we believed hinges on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are Christians. We believe that Jesus is our, follower, is our leader, and we follow him. He is our Lord and our Savior. This we believe. This is what you've been taught here. This is what you've grown up to know, and I don't ever want you to forget it. I want you to always remember back to the first time. Never let this memory get away from you. Think back when you first and finally realized that Jesus is someone that you needed, that you could not do it in your own strength anymore, that you desperately needed help. Never, ever forget that, those precious memories. They are so vital. They will keep you fresh and on your feet and always focused on the one and solely one person 
that matters in your life ultimately in the end. If there's one conversation that's going to matter most in your entire life, it's going to be the one that you have right after you die. It's going to be the one with your Lord, with Jesus Christ. Was he your Lord and Savior or not? He's going to ask, or he's going to have this conversation with you of, did he know you or did he not? You can't take everything that you've worked for up to this point with you to heaven. Everything you're about to work for, you're not going to be able to take. Your family, your spouse, your kids, your, your, your job, all the money, all the things that you're going to obtain with these awesome degrees that you're going to be getting, you are not going to take any of that with you. The only thing that you are going to take with you is what you have here in your heart with Jesus. That's it. That's all. So please hold on to that gospel truth. And if you have that gospel truth, good for you. Continue to hold it. But if you don't, I'm telling you right now, you're lost. You're missing out. The things of this world will never hold up to the nourishment which the gospel truly gives. It says this in this passage of scripture, by this faith you are saved. You're, you're reborn from above. You're brand new. You're renewed. You're spiritually transformed. And you have been set apart for his purpose. Remember that. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no, knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the imputation of Christ, the theological term for it. The moment of the cross, all the sins of the world, past, present, and what were to be in the future, were placed on God. And God took out the, his wrath on the atonement, Jesus Christ, he became the sacrifice. He became the one who would satisfy the wrath of God. Instead of it being on us, took it, God placed it all on him. And what, was, what happened in that moment was anyone who were to, would believe in that man on that cross as Lord and Savior and accept him as that, his righteousness would be transferred to our life. So when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see our past, our screw-ups, and all that stuff. He doesn't look at all that. He doesn't look at all, all the mistakes that you've made and your failures. He doesn't. He knows about them, but that he doesn't hold any of that against you. He looks and he sees his son sitting in your heart. That's super important. So remember that gospel. May this be your declaration found in Galatians 2.20. This, I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So important. Don't forget that. And if there's one thing I could give you, just I want you to remember, is that there won't be a day in your life where the redemptive work of Christ isn't relevant. Always be a necessity for your life. It's something that you always take with you, and I pray that you take with you. It's going to be the most important thing. It's going to be everything that you're, the rest of your life will be based around if you hold true, if you hold true. The second thing I wish I could tell you today, or I am telling you today, is to keep being a student. Just because you graduate, just because you, you made it out of high school, finally, or you made it out of college, doesn't mean that you stop learning. There's going to be so much more for you to learn. Be, be, think out, be ready to be outside of the box and be ready to, to learn and to grow and to develop in new ways. But more importantly, also keep being a student of the Bible. Don't let just receiving the message of grace be all that you do. Continue to let the message of that grace develop and form in your life. Daily, we need to place God's word in our minds and let it settle in our hearts. 
daily. Let me repeat that again. Daily, we need to place God's word in our minds and let it settle in our hearts. It needs to resonate there. Daily, we need to let God's word be seen in our demeanor and in our actions. It's not meant just to be hidden. We want it to be hidden deep in our hearts, but it needs to be seen as well. People need to see Jesus radiating out of your life. Everything that you do needs to be seen as as something that is orchestrated by your heavenly father through your actions. And then daily, we need to allow God's word to help with our choices. This is why I push really hard for our students and boys to have a daily devotion life. A daily devotion life. This is something that we need to be in every single day. Sundays and Wednesdays are great, and we want you here. We, you need to be here in God's house with God's people, listening to the word preached. I'm so thankful that we have a pastor that does that for us. It's good to come listen to that. We need that as the body of Christ. The church needs that. But don't put that kind of pressure on him and me and any other staffer, on any other church leadership to be, that's, that's the only thing that you get. There is too much to be learned from this amazing text from God. There's too much to be learned to only just go to it on Sundays and Wednesdays. This needs to be a daily discipline, a daily reading, something that is brought into our life daily and learned. There's so much here. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is commanding us to take what he's taught us and apply it to our life. That's what that yoke means. This, this word yoke right there is, is kind of was used to describe a wooden frame that would be put on two oxen's back, like back in the, uh, in the Bible days. Um, they would put two oxen together, put this wood beam on the back, and then tie a plow to it. And then the two oxen, with the guidance of the farmer, would just guide these oxen down these rows, make straight lines, that kind of thing. That yoke, that, 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 that restraint right there was absolutely necessity to make uh, straight lines for it to plant your crops and make sure it was done right. The same thing here is used figuratively of the restrictions of a teacher or rabbi who would place on his followers. And Jesus is saying, look, I want, I want you to take my commands. I want you to take my teachings. I don't want them to be a guidepost for your life every single day, daily bringing that into your life. But my favorite part of this verse is when Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. I think sometimes we're afraid to approach God's word because of what we might actually have to encounter. I think we're afraid of God sometimes. I think that sometimes when we go to God's word that we're like, I, I, I really messed up. My life's not perfect. If God would only, if God knew <laughs> the, the mess I've made, like, he's going to be judgmental, judgmental, judgmental. He's going to really just hammer it in. He's going to be super disappointed, and, 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 and there's not going to be any sort of, like, love there like we hear about all the time. Guys, yeah, I mean, with sin, we got to deal roughly with sin. And, and, and that does happen over time. But what's so beautiful about Jesus is that he knows us. He knows we're not perfect. He knows that we mess up. He knows that we have mistakes. And he wants to take care of us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to hold you. He knows you're fragile. He knows that you're fragile. You can be the manliest man in the room, but you are a fragile dude. All right? Jesus knows your makeup. And he wants to be gentle with you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to coax you into doing the right thing and getting you on the right path. And he's going to be gentle with that. And we will find rest in that. 
There's rest in that. I believe when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He will be gentle, and we will find rest there. Even when, it's, it, when we deal with difficult things, even when we have to work through, through some really difficult stuff, Jesus will be gentle, and he will, we will find rest in that. Um, one of my favorite... Uh, no, I got a painting for you. I got a picture of a painting I want to show you. This is a, uh, an amazing painting. I know what some of you are thinking. Wow, Brother Nathan, <laughs> you did amazing. I know. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, I, am my, I was my high school art teacher's worst nightmare, okay? I'm still, like today, I bet if you were to call Miss Shuler right now, she would complain about how I didn't get the shades right, all right? You had to take a, a, a pencil and start real light and go dark and I forget that junk. You know what I'm saying? Like, so this painting is beautiful, and I was, I was looking through a whole bunch, but this painting was painted by a lady, uh, and her name was Joni Erickson Tata. How many of you know that name at all? Joni Erickson Tata. Okay, good. Some people don't know that name, so I get to share, you who you, share with you who she was. She was an incredible girl. Um, her entire teenage life, she was just like you and me, struggled with a lot of things, trying to get this whole God-Jesus thing worked out. And she had gone to some church camps, and she had gone to, you know, been in church, and, and she had made kind of like some uh, half-hearted commitments, very superficially, of, of committing her life to the Lord and everything. And she and then she would mess up, and she would go back and not really be all in, all right? And then finally, right before her graduation, God, she started, like, really trying to get this Christian thing worked out. She says, God, if there's anything that you can teach me, anything that I need to know, I, I'm not getting this Christian thing right. I need your help, all right? And that's what her prayer became. Well, three weeks after her graduation, her and her sister went swimming in a segment of the Chesapeake Bay, all right? And she was so very athletic. I think her dad was like an Olympic swimmer or something like that. And she was very athletic. She was a good swimmer herself. And she just swam for this raft, her and her sister. She never even touched the bottom at all. Like it was, she had no problem, just swam across the top. But little did, did she realize when she swam to this raft and dove off of it, it was in, all in shallow water. All right. In fact, her sister had no idea that she even took a dive off this raft into shallow water. All right. And she, when she went into the water, she cracked her spinal cord and it left her quadriplegic the rest of her life. She had no use of her, her arms or legs at all. All right. In fact, her sister didn't even know she made the jump and actually um, realized that her sister was floating face up, drowning. Um, Joni was flo uh, drowning when she turned around uh, after a crab had bit her foot or got her foot and was like, hey, the crabs are biting. Be careful. And she saw her sister drowning, pulled her up out of the water, and one thing would lead after another, and she would find herself in a hospital with devastating news about what the rest of her life would be like. In fact, she even questioned, why on earth did my sister even save me? Why would I? Why? And even thinking back to that prayer, she even acknowledged that I'm a new Christian. I'm a new Christian. I asked God to teach me, to, for me to help learn to put my life and trust in his hands. And this is the kind of God who promises that he has plans and future hope for my, the rest of my life. No way. She had a lot of people come into that hospital room over time, and she would eventually begin to work work through some of this stuff. Um, but this painting, like how, in the, how on earth did she do that? I mean, with no arms and legs. Let me, let me read you. She said this quote. She says, well, painting is one of the things I can do. That's just me. It's me, the easels, and the pencils. 
And as long as I don't drool too much over the canvas, the colors come out pretty good. Literally, she puts the paintbrush in her mouth and she paints these pictures. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely incredible. She says, it's a chance to express all that I've got inside that I sometimes keep hidden. And I think that's why I paint big, broad, wide open landscapes. She found something she was able to do, give her a little bit of encouragement and hope. But even more so, she found more encouragement, more hope in the faith that she would eventually become to have in Jesus. One of my favorite uh, little quotes that she has in, in regards to discipleship um, that I, I like to use and, and often think about and read is this. She says, God is more concerned with conforming me to the likeness of his son than leaving me in my comfort zones. That's deep. God is more interested in inward qualities than outward circumstances, like refining my faith, humbling my heart, cleaning up my thought life, and strengthening my character. That's amazing for someone to have gone through such trauma, and that's what she's getting out of her life right now in her walk with Jesus. That's absolutely incredible. You know, there was this feature that came out on iOS with our texting uh, well, maybe for Android, you guys had it way before we did. But in iOS, there was this feature that came out a few years ago. When you sent someone a text, when you sent someone a text, it would pop up and it would say, delivered, all right? But when they opened the text, what would happen? That, that word delivered changed to a four-letter word, read. You all know what I'm talking about. You know you sent that text and the person didn't respond. You know they read it. <laughs> right? My wife at home right now is like, yep, you know it. <laughs> they send that text, you read it, you understood it, and everything, and they know it too, and you don't respond, what happens? What's the phrase? You left me on red. You left me on red, and that's not cool, right? It's not cool. We want people to text back. I believe God texts us all the time. This text. Boom. I think there's a lot here that he wants us to learn and understand and grow, and he's trying to get a message across, a particular thing tailored just for you in a certain life circumstance. He's trying to get you to understand and see and how he will nourish your life and how he will help you through these types of situations. And we get this stuff, and what do we do? We leave him on red. We leave him on red. Have you left God on red recently? See, again, this is something that we need to be going to daily. This is something that uh, we need to be bringing in into our life and, and making sure that we know we can't leave God on red. We need to be growing as Christians. It's our life calling to continue to learn and to grow and not just be satisfied with where we are today. But also in this text, in the same exact text in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe that there's a little bit of warning. There's emphasis here. There's an eagerness coming from the Apostle Paul who writes this text um, in, when he says, quote, if you hold fast, and I truly believe we need to hold fast, I, the devil seeks to decrease our trust in that truth. He, de he, he seeks to, de de to decrease our trust in the truth of Jesus as much as he can. He wants to focus our, our attention and off that faith, even to go as far as to want to make you give up, walk away, throw in the towel, and call it quits. I truly believe that. I truly believe that that's what the devil wants to do. He is tactical. He is brilliant. He's smart. He does, he does know our weaknesses. He knows what he is doing. He will make every effort to replace God's truth with the lies of his own, make us doubt. 
So that's why it's all the more important to do everything we can to boldly make sure that God's word is continually being placed in our life. So graduates, what am I trying to say? Don't get out of God's word. Keep this coming. Keep being a student. Keep learning. We have been training you and teaching you over and over and over here. We don't want you to stop. We don't want you to stop. This, need, this stuff needs to continue to go with you the rest of your life. But speaking of lies of the devil, our culture and our time is full of them right now. And it's so important that we hold on to this truth of the resurrection. We hold on to this truth of, of our Christian faith as much as possible and as tight as we can. We need to hold on to the truth through the smoke and through all the mirrors. And please bear with me as I get through this because this is kind of difficult to talk about. But this world has very, very many different views. It's going to toss a lot of different things at us. We are going to be met with different ideas all the time. And something that I was never told growing up was it will be okay. You're going to be faced with different people. You're going to be faced with different ideas. And it's okay. You can listen. You can listen. We can be respectful. It's all right. We just need to be ready. We just need to be ready. Never ever think that when it comes to your decision making that you have to, be, you have to feel rushed to, to change your opinion or make a decision over something that someone's trying to convince you of. Things presented to you will, ma- will be made to appear detrimental, imperative, and many people will claim that they have done all the research and done all the work and that this is the truth and you can simply trust them especially on hypersensitive issues that are in our culture right now. It is unreal what we have to deal with. And if you don't accept these truths, or if you don't cater to a certain uh, viewpoint or framework, then you get labeled with all sorts of stuff that's not even true. We have fed a monster of making decisions depending on how we feel personally or on how other people think they feel when we're presented with their truth claims. Rather than investigating it or standing up for what we truly believe. And we get hammered by this all the time. News stations, politicians, professors, and co-workers. This is what is right. This is what is wrong. These are the facts. We have become a generation of fact-checker dependents rather than truth pursuers. It's sickening. Do we truly understand our culture at the moment? No. There has been a complete uproot of conservative and traditional thought. And with, and with that, our generation has been given the opportunity to go ahead and wake up with whatever identity you want. Whatever sex you want, whatever framework of mind that you want, whatever morality you want. You can have whatever you want because you are you and you do you and we don't want to get in your business. Shame on us. Shame on us. Mainstream media, significant leader, all claim the facts about it, lie about each other. Third wave feminism is scorching all forms of communications. Uh, There's an onslaught on masculinity. There's a destruction of the nuclear family, and our society redefines everything. It's so stinking confusing that our teenagers ultimately, our teenagers and our college students ultimately say, you know what, instead of all the bickering and listening to all that, I'm just going to do what I think is best for me, and that is dangerous because the heart is evil. Even church today, and again, I'm not going to get political, so I'll just go this route. Even churches today are now catering to a progressive, liberal, secularized 
ideology that undermine and redefine key theological foundations of our faith, that same resurrection that I told you to hold on to, I literally, I heard the, a couple weeks ago this Q&A of a, of a very prominent church literally say to the person asking the question who, was, had, who had some very uh, crazy doubts, literally say, you know what, God adores your faith. He loves you. He loves your passionate pursuit to, to, to have uh, it, like this in-game knowledge and stuff. And even though you deny the resurrection of Christ, God will meet you in eternity. God will have you in heaven. You're going to be all right. Malarkey, right? That's ridiculous. Come on. What is wrong with us? Why are we giving into this type of stuff? Why are we falling for it? Guys, we cannot let the smoke and mirrors of any generational or societal enticements, philosophy, or guilt sway us from the actual truth given to us by the Lord. Can't do it. Can't do it. So, Brother Nathan, why are you saying this? Because you're going to go to college. You're going to go into the workforce. You're going to feel the pressure. You're going to feel, you're going to hear other ideas. You're going to hear all sorts of stuff. Again, I tell you, it's okay. Don't freak out. Be bold. Have a backbone. Remember the truth that you know, the the life change that you had, and the consistency, the actual consistency that's found there, and that's not anywhere else. Two more things, and I'll be done. And these are quick. These are like the end of a Pauline letter quick, (laughs) where he just like machine gun chaining off just a whole bunch of little stuff. But number four, Remember your support systems. And parents, you can thank me later or even pay me. Kids, call home. (laughs) Really, call home. Remember your support systems. God, if you are blessed with a mom and dad, you are already well on your way. You are already well on your way. Because I know kids that don't. I know kids that don't. It breaks my heart. So call home. Call home. If there's two people that you want on your team when crap hits the fan, <laughs> it's mom and dad. It's your, mo- it's your brothers and sisters. The people that God has given you. He wants you to remember that. He gave you that structure for a reason. It's literally the micro church. That's what all of us are made up of, our own families. And we are a support system for those in them. But then we come together, and we need to remember our church families, too, because this place is important. We are a from a cradle-to-the-grave type church. We want every single walk of your life to be found here and have something for you here. And we're going to continue to do our best to make sure that happens. But come back here because this place loves you to death, loves you to death. So come back to a church when you're in town. Send text often. Connect people who have supported you, who have encouraged you. Always look to godly influences when you are dealing with the, with the good times and the bad. And then finally, the fifth thing. The world doesn't revolve around you. I don't know if that is something that you learn or not in high school. You eventually get to learn about that in, in college because uh, your taxes revolve around a lot of other things as well. Um, but really, the, the world does not revolve around you, and God gave us a huge responsibility of the Great Commission, of the Great Commission, that we not just hold on to this love, this, this gospel love, this this amazing sacrificial love that we have in Jesus and hold it to ourselves, but it's meant to be shared. 
It's meant to be shared. And you, again, are going to be all over the place. Some of you are going to be dentists. Some of you are going to be astrophysicists. Some of you are going to be astronauts. Lucas Wittig. Um, it's going to be awesome, man. You guys are brilliant. You guys are going to take you so many places. And I'm so thankful for your knowledge and for, your, for the, the work and the effort that you put into these types of, that your education, that's awesome. You're going to be all over the place. But in every single place God takes you, there is ministry to be found. The question is, are you going to take the opportunity to do it? So how do you prepare yourself to bless others? You begin to pray for the people that God is going to place in your life each and every single day. The people that you know and the people that you don't know. You pray for your family because there are some of us who need prayer for our families, especially in a salvation kind of way. We pray for the people that you might even see at Walmart. You also listen to their lives. You listen to people's lives. If you want to bless someone's life, stop talking about yourself and listen to other people. They have a story, and they may need a lot off of their chest, and you might be the one that God has placed in their life to just be quiet and listen to help them calm their storms, listen to their stories, listen to their life, and enjoy time with them. Enjoy time. It is so much better in, in relationship building to enjoy the time that we have with people than kind of act like we don't, right? You take someone out to dinner and it's like begrudgingly like, I'm here. What? No, you're like, you enjoy the time that we have with the people that God has placed in our lives. But then we serve them. We model after our Savior, the suffering servant, to serve people. We serve others. We put others' interests before our own, and we serve. We show them that kind of grace. We show them that kind of mercy. We show them that kind of love and that type of attitude of a servant. And then finally, something that we all need to do more often, share our own story. You all know where you were, and you all know by the grace of God, where you are now and the hope that you have for your future. I think the church needs to do a better job in sharing our story. Sharing our stories. It's okay to let other people in. Let them hear your story. Your story might make an eternal difference in someone else's life. Don't be afraid to talk, to share and to give Jesus to other people. Do that. I hope I've been helpful to you. Um, again, I'm, I wasn't smart at all. I, I always jokingly say that my, my report card has had a severe stuttering problem. D's, right? In high school, right? But man, we love you guys. Our graduates, we love you, we care for you, and we want so much for you. Just remember the gospel truth, the foundation for your life, and continue to let that feed into your life every single day. Be bold for the truth and stand up for what you believe in. Stand up for you, with what you believe in. Go back to your support systems. Remember the people that have sent you off. They want you to return home. Even if the boot kind of hurts, right? Out the nest. They want you to come home. And most importantly, bless other people. You have a story to share. You have a gospel to spread. And we want you to make sure that you do your responsibility. And that, Brother Will, I'll turn it back over to you, man. Amen. A uh, timely message, one we need to hear, amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed.
you, you need to respond now to what you've just heard through the Holy Spirit. There may be someone in our room or even watching online that needs to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and make this your day of salvation. If that's the case, I invite you to come and, and we will show you through the Word of God how you can be saved. Others of you need help in your life right now. Jesus is here to help you. I think it would be great if, if families came and prayed for one another. Moms and dads, grandparents, praying over their children, especially those who are in school who have just graduated. Let's use this time to dedicate our hearts to the Lord. Lord, help us to respond in faith. Right now as your Holy Spirit is speaking, I pray that we would step out and come forward and pray to you. Lord, help us not to be timid, not to be afraid. Help us to be bold in this move as we come towards you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As Angie sings, would you come and pray? Come on. Let's come as a family and pray to the Lord. All your mercy dear Lord for our graduates and those who are still in school. Lord, help us to build our life on the foundation of the gospel. Help us to daily, diligently get into your word and let the word of God conform us into the will of God. Lord, in this shaky world that we live in, I pray that we would stay on that firm foundation and say yes to God and no to the pray, dear Lord, that we would never forget our spiritual heritage, our home, our church, and be faithful to you and to serve you always. 
And dear Lord, help us to let our light shine in this dark world in which we live. I love you and I love this church. I love our students. Bless them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Just, just a couple of reminders. Uh, give. When you walk out the door, there are those black boxes right at the doorway. You can put your tithe and also your gift to the uh, It's Our Turn campaign in there. 6.30 tonight, we're going to have Bible study online. Uh, Brother Johnny's going to be teaching the lesson. You say, well, Brother Johnny's not even here. He's in Puerto Rico. Well, he pre-recorded this, all right? But uh, pray for that group of missionaries. We have eight in Puerto Rico doing a great job they're going to come home on Tuesday, so pray for them and a safe return. Also, Wednesday night, we're going to hear from them uh, in the adult service. They're going to be showing pictures and videos and sharing testimonies of what God did while they were in Puerto Rico. Uh, right after this service, our Merge Ministry, College Age Ministry, is going to meet for lunch. Y'all are going to be eating in room 209, 210. Uh, right before I finish, I need a couple of guys to come up here and join me on the stage. Braxton, I think you're down here. And Isaac, I think you're up there. Hurry up, Isaac. Fly down here as quick as you can. Y'all join me on the stage. Uh, let me also share with you that uh, one of our longtime church members, Sister Lorraine Parnell, uh, went to heaven this past week. Her funeral is going to be 11 o'clock on Tuesday at Auker Funeral Home, so uh, be sure and pray for her, her family. Uh, come on, Isaac. Give Isaac a big hand. Here he comes. He's coming down. He's coming fast. Stand, stand right here by me. Braxton, right here by me. Isaac, come stand right here by me. There's the three of us right here. We are the champions, my three. Hey, right here, man. Champions. Van Buren. And y'all don't, don't know how hard this is for me to do this, but Van Buren pointers are... The state 6A, 5A, 5A state baseball champions right here. Had a great season. I think in the semifinals they beat that team from Greenwood down there. And then on, was it Thursday? On Thursday they played Jonesboro and didn't just beat them. Y'all pounded Jonesboro into the ground. Way to go, man. State champions right here. Let them know you love them. Show the love. And with that, you're out of here. God bless you. Have a great day.